0: episode three this is a podcast about the future of startups and tech in the uk and various other things we want to talk about uh with me paul johnston and me alex hansford uh, and i am uh, at paul d johnston on twitter
1: and i'm at alex hansford
0: so find us tell us if you like it or don't like it but we'd love to hear from you we've got um a few kind of different topics to talk about today so we want to talk about milton keynes yay we live here and we love it um, but there was an article in the Guardian which we want to discuss we want to talk about
1: oh a lesson in the power of the App Store review it, it's an, an educational piece we'll talk about <laughs> that
0: and then we've, uh, we've been seeing lots of 360 degree videos coming up and we just want to talk a bit about that in VR further ado uh, let's have a bit of a chat about Milton Keynes or M.K. as we all call it here nobody else calls it M.K. we all love we all love calling it M.K. and um, there's uh, an article in The Guardian called The Struggle for the Soul of Milton Keynes it's uh, it's very recent it was it's a May 2016 article for those of you listening in five years and, uh, you know, Milton Keynes turns uh, 50 next year. It's a very, very cool place. We really like it. It mm-hmm. feels odd when you come here for the first time, so being British.
1: But neither, neither of us are from Milton Keynes. Yes.
0: So we both
1: grew up in different places yep. and moved to Milton Keynes. So we're not, we're not natives,
0: as it were. But we well, but are. most now. people aren't natives. That's true. Well, because it only started 50 years
1: well, ago. Well, it the, it's the... It's the highest growth city in the UK, mm-hmm. and it, it's continuing to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's actually one of the successes of the new towns.
0: Yeah. But, um, and it's taken it's, it's uh, learned, uh, learned the lessons of the other new towns. For those people in, uh, in foreign parts who have no idea what we're talking about, um, after the war, the government decided that we should build a whole bunch of new towns to rebuild communities, um, and they made a whole bunch of mistakes with places like Stevenage and Crawley, and a bunch of other places like that. Um, and then they decided to build Milton Keynes and got it right, pretty much. So um, it's one of the reasons we like living here. It's only 45 minutes from London, and it's a great place.
1: So, interestingly, they they decided to build new, um, the, the new towns um, because they wanted to relieve housing congestion in London. Mm-hmm. Um, and interestingly, there's now more housing congestion in London. Yeah. So maybe we need more new towns. Yeah.
0: Maybe gonna... we need to learn some more lessons from the way Milton Keynes does stuff. And actually, you know, Milton Keynes is very proud of the fact that it does, um, you know, get people from places like China um, coming over and finding out about how we did it. And, uh, you know, we're, you know, I think Milton Keynes people are quite proud of the place. Mm.
1: So, but, so what, what about this article... Did you like what? 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 What was good about it? I think I think
0: most people um, in the UK who've never been here think that Milton Keynes is a waste of space and a bad idea and has some real problems with it, and only know about concrete cows and roundabouts. And I think you know it was it was very fair. It took the article talked a lot about uh, the good and the bad, but you know it said that there was a lot of success here and a lot of successes have been made in terms of city planning infrastructure. But actually what really struck me, the more that I think about it is how it relates to our um, ability to look at a, a large scale project. And actually if you look at it as a large scale project, you, there are some parallels with the tech industry and with the way that um, you can uh, approach projects and, and things changing over time. So I think there, there was a lot around that that I thought was was interesting. We'll, we'll, we'll come to that a little bit. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I think the, the, one of the things that really I love about Milton Keynes and actually people who live here love about Milton Keynes is the grid structure. Mm-hmm. Everyone thinks it's a really bad idea if you don't live here, but it's just the best way of getting across the city. It segments the city very well. It allows um, allows you to get from one side of the other without actually having to go through anything. Uh, so there are a lot of very positive things about it.
1: So, I mean, it's for, for anyone who can't visualize, there's essentially a roughly 10 by 10 grid. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're approximately every kilometer. Yep. So that's 10 kilometers by 10 kilometers. It's
0: not quite so rigid as that. No. But it does follow curves and, and things like that. But it's, it's approximate. But it works very well. And at
1: every intersection, or most intersections, there's a roundabout. Yeah, um, and that defines the grid roads, and the grid roads are generally 70, although some are a bit slower than that. Uh, some are 60 if they're single carriageway. Yeah, um, but they're always intended to be fast um, and a quick way of getting from one side of the city to another. So it made your commute um, really, really simple. Um, and in fact, Milton Keynes has in a few places that the rush hour is about 20 minutes long. Yeah. because <laughs> actually people leave at five o'clock and they get really frustrated that they're going to have to spend five minutes queuing. Yeah. Whereas if that happened in a normal city, um, like nearby Bedford or Northampton, you know, that process can take up to an hour. And yeah, it's it's com- really painful. So.
0: Completely different. And, and um, it's one of the advantages of Milton Keynes. And, mm. you know, one of the uh, parallels with technology is that the idea of the grid system was that you could just build the original grid. And then if you wanted to expand the city, you could just build more grids. Mm-hmm. You just keep growing the grid, you know, keep the grid roads going out, keep them roughly parallel with each other, you know, what, however, however you want to do that. And then you've got this infinite scalability.
1: It was built for growth, yeah. really. And it, it, for, for many years, whole grid squares were still farmland. And, and weren't developed on. Yeah. And then when they were needed, they became developed on. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting to see how housing's evolved since yeah. the start, um, because housing's obviously changed quite a lot since the 60s. But, um,
0: yeah. Having yeah. 60s houses is quite nice now because they're big. Mm. But now all those 60s houses are falling down, and they're going to replace them with smaller ones. Yes. Um, but the the, the really interesting thing about the idea of a scalable infrastructure which if you take the tech world Mm -hmm. is something that we all kind of go well we thought of this obviously but you know there's been the idea of a scalable infrastructure for a long time and so america has has got a lot of these grid cities manhattan is a grid and and you know you can even go back to ancient times where there Mm -hmm. are more grid structures um but this is a modern city and this is a modern way of doing things uh, and you know, you look at you look at what's happened in more recent years. So this was a 50-year-old plan: build the city, make it infinitely scalable. And now, because of pressures of um, you know developers needing to make money, there's this whole tension with well, actually, we don't need the grids in the same way, so we'll just block them off in certain places. And actually, when you live in Milton Keynes, you feel it. You can actually understand, you know, why has this happened? It does feel odd to stop on a grid road you know you come to the end of a grid road you hit a an estate that's obviously very lovely because it's been made recently and there's some nice houses on it or it's just hideous like some others um but you know you end up with this kind of it doesn't feel right it's a bit of an odd experience and then you know it's just one of those things where if a planner or a project manager decides that actually that's the right thing to do now you know if they lose the original vision of an idea then you you can end up blocking the vision for an entire, um, overarching project. And I think within tech, we could, we would do well to listen to, you know, to understand where a project has started, having, understanding the history of a project is, is actually not a bad thing to understand. You know, if you've built something for infinite scalability and then someone comes along a bit later and goes, that's lovely, but I've got this new thing. Let's plonk that in there. It'll be brilliant. It'll make a whole, a whole range of difference. And that one bit's perfect but the rest of it is now scuppered because you just destroyed a certain section. I think, you know, it's, it's an interesting lesson to learn.
1: I think people's, so the interesting thing is it shows the planning changes over time, mm-hmm. but if you get the core bit right, yep. then it's, it still works. Yep. And so, you know, one of the nice things was that the grid supports having different types of housing in different mm-hmm. places. Um, much like an application in software, so, yeah. um, so I can see the the principles of that um, translating really well, um, but again, if you kind of mess with the piping, then it stops the benefits start yeah. start being reduced, and yeah. you start having you know,
0: problems, bottlenecks, congestion, yeah. um, and then you need to refactor, which is a lot easier with a city with a piece of software than it is with the city.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, so it's very hard when now that people have um, the vast majority of uh, people in Milton Keynes are homeowners, um, or the most majority of properties is, yeah. um, is owned. Um, so because of that, it means that you can't say, "Oh, sorry, I want to dig up your house." Yeah. You know, that's a lot harder to do. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that does make it very very tricky.
0: It's, it's I think I think there's some uh, other interesting parallels around you know how Milton Keynes is funded I, I would recommend going and reading the article just to get a bit of a glimpse of something that is a is I think innovative and could give people real ideas about how to approach projects um, I mean, it does and how not to make mistakes
1: it does is, what's interesting is that when you hear um, the government, current government, yeah. talking about big projects, yeah. um, and they talk about HS2 and things like that. And then you you look at the new towns um, uh, that were created in the fifties and sixties, yeah. and then you look at that and go, okay, those were big projects. These are tiny projects comparatively. Yeah. This is you know creating whole um, you know whole new town. You know, there's you know coming up to three hundred thousand people here mm-hmm. now in Milton Keynes. I mean that's that's insane in terms of scale. Yeah, um, is, especially in
0: our island. Yeah, finding, exactly. finding that much space in England is. Uh...
1: Yeah, so it's very interesting. I just come. It's very interesting looking at it from a planning point of view or architectural point of view. Um, there are some really good books about this as well. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that you find is that if you move to Mount Keynes. And your, and we recommend that you do. By the way, yes, yeah, do well, <laughs> absolutely. Particularly if you want a a cheaper house, um, but also if you, but also if you if you commute into London and you're looking for a place to commute into, you'll find that there's, there's you'll get a better level of house here than yeah. you will in places that are closer to the capital. So you know, if you lived in St Albans, for example, or
0: Watford. Um, you could buy about three houses here you could get more for your money here
1: (laughs) and it's a lovely place lovely place to live um which is why why we moved here but um yeah so one of the things you find is if you move to Milton Keynes you become more interested in those things Mm -hmm. because they all of a sudden become very relevant to you yeah um but there's really good learnings from that yeah Um,
0: but uh, yeah just recommend reading the article and uh Finding out a bit more about where we live, but we love it. You know, we could go on about Milton Keynes for hours, but we're not going to. We're going to. Well, funnily
1: enough, (laughs) it it happens to be because we're in Milton Keynes and our our, um, podcast is called Beyond the Roundabout. (laughs) There there is a bit of similarity there, so yeah, there could be a reason for that. Yes, I don't Don't
0: know where the roundabouts came from. Read the article, have a bit of a look, and uh, you know, give us some thoughts. We'd love to know what you think. let's talk about app store reviews
1: yes so um, this is a uh, lesson from a current job um, and it's one that, that if you have Com- company
0: um, names will be uh, anonymised I'm not going to mention that <laughs> um,
1: it's not fair um, but so there's an interesting lesson in um, understanding the power of social media and app store reviews in this case but, but social media as well and um, so over the bank holiday weekend, we had an outage. The app was down for a period of 36 um, hours. Uh, and it's a fairly new app. It's mm-hmm. about six weeks old. Um, there are kinks, but we're working on it. It's a really nice app, actually. I do like
0: it. Yes, that's normal for an app. So it's, quite,
1: it, you it's, know, it's at normal stage. <laughs> um, but this outage was, was quite a big problem because for that period of time, um, there was no ability to log into the app. Mm-hmm. And the only message they got was, uh, cannot connect, try again later. Okay, that was it. Mm -hmm. There was nothing else they could see or do. And the interesting thing there is that, you know, the technical teams were working on the outage. They have solved the problem or problems. And, you know, they sorted all of that out. But in the meantime, uh, we received over 50 negative reviews from Mm -hmm. the app store. Uh, The interesting thing is there is that... um, so we, we um, have a, a cross-platform uh, app, so it's on Android and iOS. Uh, the split is roughly um, 70% are on iPhone and mm-hmm. um, 30% are on Android. Mm-hmm. So predominantly uh, iPhone, some iPad, um, but it's still predominantly Apple yeah. versus uh, Android. Now, the, the reviews were actually almost the exact opposite. So we received about 80% of the negative reviews were from Android and about 20% of the reviews were from uh, Apple. In fact, um, although we have much more volumes um, through Apple's um, App Store, we continually get less reviews from them than we do anywhere else. So is it interesting? So, so to see answer, how like Android
0: users uh, tend to complain more, or, or yeah, be inter- happier more.
1: Interestingly, I think uh, Android users are more demanding. Mm-hmm. They expect more from their app. Mm-hmm. They um, complain a bit more. Mm-hmm. They tell you off if you ask for too many permissions. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> they do things like that, which um, you know don't exist on the Apple and the Apple version. So. Yeah. Um, they don't have that to talk about. Yeah. Um but I think also because it's so much easier to get to the Google Play Store mm-hmm. than it is to get to the App Store. Um once you've got it installed, yeah. um, what I think people find is they find themselves rating and reviewing Android apps more frequently mm-hmm. where so so it's it's Android apps are more um People are downloading more and, and and going back to it more, whereas um, Apple is very much a download and forget. You yeah. know? And, and
0: I Apple. mean, interestingly, because of the um, the app we've got, we we see um, we see a lot of reviews um, for uh, people in various different countries, and you know you can't guarantee networks in various different countries, and so you have different. You have different problems in different countries, and different ways of approaching it, and you get you get so such a diverse range of of, uh, of views. It's difficult to certainly control managing those things, but also because you have the ability within the Play Store, Google Play Store, to um, to respond and to yeah. and have that. Then you you have a you have a certain amount of right of reply, yes, uh, which is really useful, and you have a certain amount of. Um, uh, leeway with your customers a little bit more. So I think I think there's a certain amount of people know that that can happen, so they're prepared to do a bit more.
1: I think part of it is that on the apps, uh, on the um, Google Play Store, so far on Android, mm-hmm. um, you've got the opportunity to address their problem. Mm-hmm. So you're able, if they're having an issue um, and they post a review, um, maybe they can't find a feature yeah. or they don't know... Um, uh, you know they're having a very specific account problem maybe yeah. then the the nice thing about having a review or uh, the ability to reply to a review is you can say oh that's strange yeah. i'm really sorry about that and you can say please email or contact us this way and we'll look into it all of a sudden they they they're shouting for help they're a cry for help is being listened to yeah. um and so that does that does actually work to an extent yeah but not all the time. And a lot of people will put a review in, and then they won't change their mind later on. So, so what happened? We we got all these negative reviews. The outage was fixed, but in the meantime, our average rating dropped, mm-hmm. and it dropped substantially. Mm-hmm. Um, so the rating dropped. It, it dropped at least um, half a point. Mm-hmm. So, um, and in fact, it's still dropped, dropping. Because mm-hmm. of, because of the um, uh, effect of um, how the ratings work, people see a negative view, so post a negative review, mm-hmm. and it, it has a very reinforcing thing. It's really um,
0: there's a psychology uh, around reviews, isn't there? That you know you need to there's I don't know a pack mentality of, of yes. jumping on a bandwagon, um, and I think you know that's why in some ways reviews can be quite um, uh, unhelpful. Mm. I think, it, you know, sometimes you don't want to, it, reviews are a point in time rather than a, a, a an experience over time. And I think yeah. part, of it, part of what we need to kind of consider over the next few years is how we remove that point in timeness mm-hmm. and actually say, you know, actually reviews need to expire over time. Yes. And, and or be reinforced in some
1: way. Yeah. So I mean, what I found interesting was, and there are mechanisms for that mm-hmm. uh, on both app stores. So when you push a new version out, mm-hmm. that happens. Um, but of course, what do you do if your servers were down, mm-hmm. and then your servers come up again? You don't need a new app version. So what? How do you? You know. And and equally, you know, quite often people say, you know, update the app. And mm-hmm. You go well. I don't need to because actually a lot of the problems you were occurring were occurring server side.
0: Yeah. We've solved them, which yet. is our problem, not uh, theirs. And, and
1: and of course <laughs> conveying that to the user is quite tricky. So yeah.
0: and getting them to upgrade unless there's something viable and re- and needed in there. Mm-hmm. And the other thing about an upgrade is that you're never quite sure if you're not going to introduce something new That's as a right. bug. You know, so you, it's not a it's it's not a straightforward thing to do. No.
1: I mean, for me, the the most frustrating element of all of this is the lack of ability to respond on Apple's yeah. um, App Store. So um, you, when you place a review on the App Store, that's it set in stone. Never to be touched again. Mm-hmm. And also, it's um, we have no ability to contact you either directly or publicly to try and address that. So if you're having a problem uh, I can do nothing about it,
0: and it's a point in time again. So you know, if, if they make that, you know, if if you could have the best app in the world, but mm-hmm. if you've if you've spent six months going firefighting big problems that you've now resolved, it doesn't actually matter. So the only way you can really get around that is create a new app. You know, people are you know, you can take the goodwill of your users who use the app and you know, go, yeah, great, and, and get them to do your positive reviews. But you know, part of this is about you know, I don't know exactly the structure of the organisation, so we can't necessarily talk about that. But you know, if an organisation isn't able to move at speed and isn't able to respond or or provide social me- good social media channels and those kinds of things, then you, you know you you are opening yourselves up to a single channel mm. and a single review uh, assassination by review almost, aren't you?
1: So the interesting thing is, before we launched uh, the app, there was a caution of not wanting to get it wrong mm-hmm. and, and that's very important you know we want to get it right it's really important and there is validity in that mm-hmm. but things like the, this outage for example would have happened whether we had put in you where know, we, we'd launched it at the time we launched it mm-hmm. or a month later or two months later yeah. you know it wouldn't have made any difference to the chances of this, this yeah. possibility happening um, and, and things like that do happen and so, um, I still believe that people uh, over time, um, people's opinions, generally, if you work focus on features and on customer satisfaction, you know they will actually respond by yeah. giving you positive feedback. and there are a couple of measures that you can do, so one of the things that, that we want to introduce in the app is a feedback mechanism mm-hmm. um, and it's a it's a classic one that I've seen in other apps, and it's it's the pop-up that says are you enjoying the app? Mm-hmm. And if you say yes, it says, mm-hmm. great, would you like to um, uh, leave a review? Yeah. And if you say no, then it says, oh, I'm really sorry, how can we solve that problem?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and it doesn't show you to the review, it's trying to fix your issue. Yeah. Um, and as a support mechanism, that works quite, quite well. That's so, quite neat, actually. Um, it is a specific thing that we've seen on other apps that... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're going to look at, look at how we can implement that.
0: I do. quite like that. And I think the, um, one of the things that, that I would say about most apps that I look at is, you know, if it's, if it's over maybe 3.2, 3.3, somewhere around that, most of the time that app is pretty stable. It's got a decent development team behind it. No, it knows what it's doing. Yeah, there's a kind of level around uh, just above three. Mm-hmm. If it's below three, you know that there's some, you know, it's it's probably less likely to be good, less likely to have a good solid base of people, especially if there's more in stores. So you can, there are ways I think users do kind of filter out because, you, uh, you know, having over four in either of the stores is is pretty impressive.
1: It's quite hard to do that,
0: yeah. Um, And it is very hard to do that, especially with a newish build. If it's an established, you know, you're releasing a a completely brand new version on the basis of a whole, you know, whatever, you can can achieve that, but you can also lose that if something goes wrong.
1: So, it's really interesting because, um, I was thinking about this and how people use the app stores, and I thought Mm -hmm. I'd have a look at um, the proportion of rating, yeah. And uh, so on the Apple version. 50% Fifty percent have voted five stars, mm-hmm. and fifty percent have voted one star, mm-hmm. and there's a couple more everywhere yep. else. But but it's broadly brilliant a or up, brilliant or the worst thing on earth. <laughs> how could you how, how could you make that? Um, interestingly, on Android, it's a bit more spread. So mm-hmm. um, I think that's because of how it's um, displayed. But it, even even with Android, there's a firm bias between. Five stars yeah. and, and, one and a stars. review
0: is, you know, most people don't do average reviews, and I think there's, there's, I think we haven't, we still haven't quite figured out reviews. I know, I know that uh, various people that I speak to don't really take any notice of the reviews, other than is it high enough mm. to be set stable, it and def- that's pretty much all. You, all it does mean. Also,
1: it? it depends on the app. If yeah. you've got, um, if if the app is your bank app. Yeah. Then it'd better be doing. Well, you haven't really got much choice because yeah. ultimately you can't use another bank's app um, unless you change your bank, and, yeah. and so there is an element where the rating is important, but not yeah. not as important. So anyway, it was an interesting it's an interesting lesson. Mm-hmm. I
0: wouldn't recommend it. Um, what? what having an outage having over a, bank, an outage bank, a bank holiday weekend? Um, <laughs> it's a bad idea
1: peak time as well Um, so I wouldn't recommend it but equally it's a a very good learning opportunity and it's interesting to see how people use the app store spoken
0: like a true manager yes every developer's (laughs) going if I'd have coded that it would never have happened Um. (laughs) anyway So, uh, let's talk about 360-degree uh, video in VR. I saw a uh, video on Facebook the other day, which was a local dance theatre company, and they did a, um, a dance video. And the weird bit about it was just, um, they put the camera at the front of the stage. They didn't have the camera anywhere interesting. It was just at the front of the stage. And so all these kids were dancing around. It was brilliant. You could look around. You could see everything. Uh, but you could also turn it all the way around and have a look at the audience. Right. which is a bit odd because you could spend the entire the entire video just watching the audience. And I mm-hmm. kind of thought that was a bit of a waste of it. Uh, a waste of the 360 degree video but yeah. um you know you you've shown me some other other videos out so there.
1: So I've got a um so I've got a Gear VR um and we we have friends who have had the Oculus Rift as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've just gone through the Gear VR and um the, the nice thing about the Gear VR is that it's fairly low cost, mm-hmm. provided that you have a really expensive Samsung phone.
0: Yeah, and um, this is, this is the, the device that allows you to put it basically on your head it's, and it's over a headset, your eyes. It's the headset. Yeah, um, and completely immerse uh, you in front of the screen basically.
1: It, 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 it essentially takes the, the phone um, and uh, sends one half to one eye and, mm-hmm. and the other half to the other eye. Um, and and that's how 3D works, so yeah. it's quite straightforward. Um, but yeah, so it's come along a really long way mm-hmm. since since it started becoming a bit of a toy. Mm-hmm. It's now got to a point where three um, D uh, 360 uh, degree video is actually possible, and yeah. not just possible but um, available to the consumer really. Yeah, so previously there used to be um, you could do this in GoPro, for example,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, a couple of years ago, essentially started working on um, building an array of GoPros yep. to cover the 360-degree space. Yeah. Um, and then what you had to do was knit those all together, and they, they used a bit of software that do, does that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can still use that now for um, yep. high-definition um, 360 video, um, but it's incredibly expensive, um, Well, that's not true. It's incredibly um, uh, processor intensive because Mm -hmm. of all that stitching. Um, But what it it, it is now is because it uses GoPros, Mm -hmm. it's not as expensive as it used to be. So it used to be specialized cameras, whereas now you can use GoPros. And then there's all of a sudden become a huge range of consumer level um, uh, 360 degree um, cameras that have come out. And, and the huge amount of consumer level ones have just made it very accessible yeah. um, for normal people but also it means that um, you know, pro users can try something out at relatively low cost, yeah. they don't have to spend 20 grand on an array of GoPros, they can um, try it out with something that's a lot cheaper. and then find it works or
0: not. And I I think that, you know, we we will be beginning to see more of these things anyway. You know, know, I've seen a number of 360 degree videos on Facebook. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there was one that was the inside of the Millennium Falcon, Mm -hmm. um, which I think was like a 15 second video, but it was just cool to be able to have a look around the Millennium Falcon Mm -hmm. from the inside um I think one of the one of the things that I've noticed with with these technologies and with the the idea of, it basically gives you a first person view yes um and uh, and I think part of that is great because we're used to first person views from video games we're used mm-hmm. to them from the idea of you know let's let's run through this this dungeon and go and you know shoot things or mm. or find puzzles to solve and all of those kinds of first-person ideas that we've had yeah. for a long time in the gaming world. But, um, you know, one of the things that I've found with looking at some of these videos is that that first-person view is kind of, you're almost piggybacking on someone else's first-person view, which no. is great. No. But it's also a little bit disconcerting. It's like you're, you're, you, when you're in a video game, you control the character, you control what you're seeing. Mm. When, you're, when you're watching someone else's video without the context of other elements that you're seeing. You know, I, I, I've watched a, a video of a balloon going up um, in, in 360. Yeah. And what you can do is you can actually look down. Yes. And there 's nothing you 're not standing on anything no. that 's weird so there's a psychological thing going on with a whole, whole range of these technologies that, that we might need to actually either get used to or, or decide we're just not going to make videos like that please So I think there's um, a,
1: um, there is a level of um, uh, sensory discomfort when mm-hmm. you do uh, when you get to a point where you can replicate Everything good enough that you fool your brain yeah. into thinking actually this is real and what's what's happened, you know, um, and and obviously Oculus actually have a rating that says you know comfortable for most yeah. or comfortable for some or it says you know mild
0: nausea, you know, nausea. nausea. Yeah, it does <laughs> actually say that I get mild nausea, nausea, but, but some it depends of on
1: it depends on the action. Um, but the interesting thing is also it's it's one of those things where. um there's huge potential for yeah, in the gaming point uh, uh, world. Um, that level of immersion can't yeah. really be replicated, and so people have focused a lot on the higher quality, higher quality. But you're yeah. still looking at TV screen,
0: yeah, and it's still it... pixels, it's still triangles, it's still all of those things. Yeah. You don't get that. You know, in your brain, your brain is telling you it's not real, whereas yes. a video is is something. Uh, recognisable that your brain says this isn't quite right yes. you know it, it, it's so right but it's not right yeah uh, you know you showed me the uh, hardcore Henry video yes earlier um, which is slightly weird but so It's not
1: 360 degree no. um, and but it, but it's first-person has a, um, a first-person view mm-hmm. um, of everything and, and that's very interesting because it's actually unusual to see that in a yeah. film. And and because of how they've done it, um, you, you will feel immersed, even though yes. you're not actually getting it in Yes, yeah, and 60.
0: the characters talk to you directly, yes. talk directly into the camera. Yes. It just brings you into a different world, doesn't that's it? Fair. Irrespective of whether the film's any good mm. and irrespective of whether I'm particularly interested in an action film like that, I I, I think the, the idea is very mm. clever and the... the concept will be something we'll see more of over time
1: I think the thing with 360 degree videos that is is unusual is um, it, it it forces you to change how you do yeah. filmmaking because previously you'd have um, you know director behind there um, and you've got all these tools and that and as soon as you you end up saying no you can see all of it all of a sudden you ruin the immersion so um, you could remove some of that digitally um and I think that will be quite mm-hmm. strong. Um or what you can do is you have to choreograph not just the front but the back, you know, yeah. around it. Um and a really interesting video of that, they've started to to do this for promotional purposes. Yep. Um was a Zoolander video. Yep. So there's a Zoolander video a uh, two video that has is a three sixty degree video with um Ben um is it Ben Stiller? Oh, who knows? Um, but, <laughs> yeah, I think um, it is. I think is it, it him? Um, but it's... Um, yeah, it's him. He, he's pouting and... Let's uh, Google
0: it while we talk.
1: No, uh, we will. Um, <laughs> but he's... Um, yeah, Ben Stiller. There we go. But he's pouting and, and, and making his, his face while all this stuff is happening around him and then he ends up walking around as you go. Yeah. And so that's really interesting because he... Obviously, that was planned, mm-hmm. and everything that you see happening was mm-hmm. planned around the entire shot. Yeah. and that's that's that's
0: really it's, very it's, difficult it's clever, to... but it's it's very much more difficult. You know, you're not you're not really able to use the idea of a studio, which is you know a camera has a behind and you don't ever see that bit. So you're going to lose that. Um, you you're, you're going to have to design sets differently. You're going to have to design stories differently because you're going to be. If you're in a first-person view of some description, you don't have to be first-person. But if you're in a kind of, um, it makes sense to be in a first-person kind of role. You know, you you can't just follow one character around for the entire. You know, you're going to be doing various different things. So there's going to be different ways of telling stories.
1: Also, it's about you know, action will happen in certain parts of the frame. Mm -hmm. It can't happen in the other end of the frame. So it's kind of. Um, As a always, storyteller, you've got to you've, you've got to, to use pull someone to around, them haven't them, you? Yeah. You've got
0: to pull someone around the, the shot. Yeah. So you, you know, you, you, although it will be quite interesting, the kind of Easter eggs that might get and might end up being, you know, you, you, it'd be the kind of thing that we we'd all have to watch the film twice so that you can watch it in the first place and then the second time you can turn around and see what else is going on in the shot. And that could get it could add some very interesting i mean you could add secondary stories in and if you added the idea of um, uh, directional audio as well you could actually have multiple different stories going on in the same place so you know there's things there's real options for doing some interesting so i think it's going to be it's going to be an interesting time to go forwards but i mean the, one of the things i'm wondering is whether or not as consumers we're gonna see it for your you know your barbecue. Are we gonna get the barbecue videos and the and the crazy children videos? We're gonna get those or are they I think it a will a bit too beyond.
1: We'll get them because it'll be like the selfie stick
0: it'll it'll be, be a gimmick.
1: It'll become it's so easy to do that 360 view element even if you haven't got the VR bit that's connected yeah. to it. So people will, will do that and that will be their camera that they have with mm. them. That happens to give a three hundred and sixty degree
0: shot. I'm imagining a three hundred and sixty degree stick camera with a stick, <laughs> and Basically now going. Someone needs to make the three hundred and sixty stick, don't they? That would be the. Uh, if
1: they make the three hundred and sixty degree stick, I will beat someone with it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Be quite fun. <laughs> I don't know. I hate
0: selfie sticks. It's <laughs> a different. I it's I think it's. I think it's. Is it the next big thing though?
1: Um. I'm not sure because I don't still don't think it's social enough so it's uh, still niche. because it's well no but also it's because it's individual and mm-hmm. it's not a group activity um, it's 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 going to be difficult for that to work um, when you're having a party mm-hmm. whereas when you're at home and you haven't got anything to do and you want to catch up uh, you want to do some um, uh, VR then it will work but it's it won't meet, meet the kind of doing things together which you know when you um, put, put a uh, game on uh, on the console or whatever the, the interesting is you're playing but also someone else is watching uh, mm-hmm. and so the challenge is you know you can't do that with VR so mm-hmm. how does it how does it work so I don't know well I think I think it's got to a point where it will evolve and we will find uses for it and,
0: um, I, and think I think e-health is one area that could be a very interesting space Mm. um you know the ability i'm just just off the top of my head the ability to to watch a surgeon in a 360 to be able to actually look around um not just see just whatever the single viewpoint is that could get very interesting so there, i think there are areas of that are non kind of you know high octane sports
1: architecture yeah. um interior design yeah um that, you know a lot of things like that which work, would work really well with vr mm-hmm. um and can tell and a story that you can't tell yeah. normally
0: so it could get very interesting mm-hmm. brilliant uh, i think we've uh, come to the end of our podcast Next time on Beyond the Roundabout, we will try to talk about drones, like we said we were going to last time. But the person Sorry who we about know that. about, who talks about drones to us, hasn't yet made himself available, and has you know uh, completely unhelpfully just had a baby. So, how It's just terrible. <laughs> so we'll we'll hopefully do that uh, next time. Uh, show notes are at beyondtheroundabout.com. And please like us on SoundCloud and tweet us at uh, Paul D. Johnston and
1: uh, Alex Hansford.
0: And thank you very much for listening.
1: Thank you. Bye.